Good evening, everyone. Welcome to our live broadcast. Those of you following along on the meditation server may notice that it has changed. We're now using the new server, the new uh, platform, the new server too, new platform too. So, um, great appreciation for the people who have worked on this, Sebastian and Martin, Doug, and anybody else who submitted issues and has been commenting or helping out with it. Looks great. Um, I'm sure there's going to be some difficulty transitioning, but that's always good. It's always good to shake things up so we don't get too complacent. If you do have issues with the new site, there is a way to post. Uh, you have to find the source on GitHub. So uh, maybe I can post or someone can post a link to that. Anyway, let's get on with it. Tonight we have a broadcast. Tonight we have meditators here. So we have two two meditators. From America, I think. So we'll be trying to focus as much as possible on meditation teachings. Tonight's teaching is, I think, quite pertinent, something for all of us to keep in mind why we do the things we do, why we devote ourselves to meditation. And when we devote ourselves to meditation, how we cultivate the encouragement and the motivation to continue meditating. What is it that you rely upon? What do you rely upon to give you motivation to make yourself a better person? And the Buddha gives us three, this is a fairly well-known list of three, Adipateya. Adipateya is, uh, Adipateya is a, um, um, a lord or Bhikkhu Bodhi translated it here as authority, but it's usually used to refer to somebody, a person who is who is president or you know, the, the number one authority, the top of the totem pole. But here it's being used specifically to in the sense of authority, or I thought chief might be a good translation. It's something that overlooks, that lords over your actions, directing them. You know? 
something that you always have to be aware of with what you whatever you do so in a worldly sense this is like the the law or the government you want to drive down the street you can't just drive however you want you have to keep in mind that there is authorities there are those beings and institutions that will punish you that will, will be will get in the way of you doing things however you want and have an enforcing of certain rules and regulations so we have to keep that in mind in the dhamma the buddha recognizes three authorities or chiefs maybe authority is a better word the three things we we always have in the back of our mind and that are useful to have in the back of our minds to remind us and to keep us on the path keep us going in the right direction these are the three adipateya and the first one is atadipateya taking oneself as authority or as the lord director and say authority stick with that number two loka dipateya taking the world as authority and number three dhamma dipateya taking the dhamma as authority the self the world and the dhamma these are the three three good sources of, of motivation and direction that keep us on the path keep us heading in the right direction why because the self the self is always aware of what you're doing now that we don't recognize a self in buddhism but what we mean is yourself you always know what you're doing my uh, my dhamma teacher we took these basic dhamma studies in thailand and he was kind of a funny monk um, but he was teaching all the new monks and he was supposed to give us give us lessons to help us pass the exam and he just gave us one one day we, we all got together in the classroom and we had a, a one two-hour session or something like that and that was it for the whole course um, but during this he was talking about he was talking about morality and he said suppose i suppose in the evening i go and, and take a salad and i look around and make sure no one's no one sees me because of course in in thailand it's interesting and monks can be very obsessed with the fact that they can't eat in the evening so difficult for many of them not to eat in the evening i think asian society especially there's a, sort of a, an emphasis on the evening meal more than the west i think and uh, he says so I, I i take out this salad and i look around and no one's there and i eat the salad in the privacy of my room and then i tie it up in a plastic bag and stick it at the bottom of the garbage 
uh, garbage can. And he says, is anyone going to know? And they were saying, oh, well, you know, angels might know. He said, it doesn't matter who knows, you know. You know what you do. No matter, no matter how much you pretend or try to hide the, the bad things that you do. In the verse, the, at the end of the sutta, the Buddha gives a, a, three verses. So the first one is, Nati loke raho nama papakamang pakubato. And there is no, there is no, um, there's no privacy. There's, there's indeed no privacy for one who does evil deeds. Atate purisajanati. The self knows. The self, the self knows you, man. Poison the man. It's like talking to, hey man, the self knows you. Satchangwa yadiwa musa, whether truth, whether you are true or, or whether you're living a lie, you know, you can't hide it. And so the Buddha describes this taking yourself as, as authority. You think of yourself, you know, I can't hide from myself. I didn't, and you think about yourself, I didn't come here to be lazy and to sit around and just to gain, just to eat and sleep. I have a, I have a goal, you know, and I have a reason to practice. He says, uh, I am surrounded by birth, old age, sickness and death, sorrow, lamentation and despair, suffering and pain. Surrounded and overwhelmed by suffering, uh, by, yeah, suffering. Immersed in suffering, afflicted by suffering. I have this problem. I have a reason for what I'm doing. These problems are not going to go away on their own. If you think about yourself, it's the best reason to practice. Why are you doing this? You're not doing it for me or for you make the world a better place. You're doing it for yourself. That perhaps an ending to this entire mass of suffering can be discerned. You think about yourself, is it not, is it, what is proper? Wouldn't it be proper for me to seek out these things that I've left behind? And in this way, thinking about oneself, one arouses energy, establishes mindfulness, cultivates tranquility of body, tranquility of concentration of mind, and then abandons unwholesomes and develops the wholesome, abandons what is blameworthy and develops what is blameless. The practice of insight meditation is supported by this. 
supported by a reflection on your own mortality and your own immorality and the importance of cultivating goodness for yourself for the overcoming of suffering and for the attainment of peace and happiness. That's the first adipateya. Loka adipateya number two is you also think of the world and this is where it gets into angels. You know. There are things, well there are people who can, who can uh, they're angels and they're ascetics and brahmins who have psychic potency and the divine eye who know the minds of others. You know, putting aside that, people will know. People will know you when you talk, when you act. If you're not a meditator, if you don't have a mind, if you aren't cultivating mindfulness, there's a difference. You can fake it, but faking it only gets you so far. You don't have the clarity of mind. If you're not intent on cultivating mindfulness, it's going to affect your relationships with other people. You're going to get angry, you're going to be greedy and stingy and jealous, conceited and arrogant. All of these things will come out in your relationships with others. The world will censure you. The world will punish you in so many ways. And they will know you. Look at this person, know they've come. It's talking about monks specifically, but they will know you if you, you will get your reputation based on your mind. And so we think of our relationship with the world, our, our role in the world, our place in the world. And it reminds us of the importance of having a pure mind. Because the potential for suffering is great. The potential for stress and conflict. If we're not mindful, if we don't cultivate clarity of mind. That's the second adipateya. And, and because of that, thinking of that, then when it arouses energy, cultivates mindfulness, the body is tranquil, and the mind becomes focused. And through the practice of insight, based on this motivation, one un abandons the unwholesome and develops the wholesome. And the third, adipateya, dhammadipateya, you know, putting aside the importance to oneself, putting aside the importance to another. One thinks of the dhamma itself, the teaching itself, one remembers how pure the teaching is. This teaching that we have is, it's not something you find every day. One of the greatest motivations for a meditator is the study of the Buddha's teaching and the, the confidence and the appreciation of how pure and how profound it is. And through appreciating how pure and how profound the Dhamma is, how great it is, how directly visible, how immediate, how open it is, how accessible it is, 
that you can experience if you practice on your own. And having this Dhamma, what, what am I what am I wasting my time for? Why wouldn't I cultivate great things, better myself? And and using the Dhamma as a base one. Yeah. One motivates oneself, cultivates energy, establish mindfulness, tranquilizes the body, co concentrates the mind, and taking the Dhamma as authority in this way. One abandons the unwholesome and cultivates the wholesome. These are the three authorities. So here's a reflection. If we were talking about reflections yesterday, this is an example of a reflection that you can do. It's a metta, it's M-E-T-A, it's not meditating. It's not part of the meditation, but you back off and you, you think about these things and they give you encouragement and motivation and they, they straighten you out and put you on the right path, keep you from straying because you think about the consequences of straying. Consequences from your own point of view, how you're going to be have shame and guilt consequences on how the world is going to look at you and the, the simple consequence that it's not according to the Dhamma this Dhamma is the right is the truth it's wrong greed is wrong anger is wrong delusion is wrong getting involved in them is just and it's not that anyone has to say it's wrong it's just the truth there's no good that comes from them the only thing that comes from them is bad and so with these three, we cultivate meditation. So, there you go. That's the Dhamma for tonight. And we'll stop there. For local meditators, this is, you guys can go. You don't have to stay for the questions. Drew, are you clear on the rules? You know the meditator rules that we have? Yeah, three times. The eight rules? Well, yeah, okay. Okay, so don't sleep more than six hours. Okay. And only eat in the morning. And no entertainment or communication with the outside world, internet, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And number three changes, no sexual or romantic activity. All right. So yeah, the, the, the audio broadcast isn't working yet. I'm not sure what's wrong, but we have to transition over. So that's going to be down for the near future, unfortunately. Oh, let's take the new site for a spin. How's it working? We've got a question-only mode, so we click this button and we only see questions. I think I can click on the questions and get rid of them. I can. Because I'm the admin. Okay, so YouTube is the only way to listen to the live broadcast for now. Hopefully we'll have the audio up soon. I'll have to work on that. All right. Robin, you're going to be my questioner. Sure. This new site is awesome. I also have uh, print screens of the questions from our old site, if you have time for those. 
Bhante, I've heard that apo, apo dutta, cohesion element, cannot be directly experienced. But when you feel tension in the belly as it expands, isn't it a sign of things trying to stick together? Or am I just intellectualizing it? No, you feel tension. You don't feel stickiness. Stickiness creates tension. But what you feel is the tension. Apo dato. Apo means water. Dato is the element, the water element. Water element is, is a name for the cohesion aspect of matter. But you don't experience it. You experience tension instead. Like if your hands stick together, you don't feel stickiness. You think you do. What you actually feel is a, a pulling, and pulling is tension. Are there any beings that will never attain nibbana? Well, never is a long time. I don't. I mean, in the face of an eternity, you can't really say never, can you? But there's no re, there's no reassurance that every being is going to attain nibbana. I don't even know that there's an assurance that there's a limited number of beings. Beings might be unlimited, infinite, whatever that means. But this kind of question is just speculative. I wouldn't worry about it. I mean, I guess the question, a better question is, um, well, I don't know. I guess it is a question, are we all reassured? It is useful to ask, are we all reassured to attain enlightenment? And I guess the answer is no. There's no reassurance. There's no reason to think that everyone will become enlightened. But they don't work. No reassurance. Don't be complacent. Last year, I spent about a week in pretty deep bliss, which led me to think I had attained stream entry. Any advice on how not to fall for the trap of thinking you're enlightened when you're not? Well, don't ever think you're enlightened. Look at your defilements. Do you have less greed, less anger, less delusion? Worry about that. You know, the only really way to know your real way to know you're you're enlightened is at least a sotapanna is that you attain nibbana, and if you can attain nibbana and and repeat the experience and be clear that what you're attaining is is freedom from suffering, you know, the cessation. But even that, you know, it's very easy for an unenlightened being to think that they're attaining nibbana and not actually. So I wouldn't I wouldn't ever really, you know, think oh I've attained stream entry and so on. You should look at your mind. Look at the state of your mind. That's all that's important. With sincerity, what is the benefit of studying scriptures for you? How does one cultivate an unknowing mind with intense scripture study? Thank you. You don't need an unknowing mind. That's not what we're cultivating. I mean, intense scriptural study can get in the way, not for that reason. It gets in the way for because of the, the habit it creates. It creates a habit of, of mental fomentation, mental reflection. So it creates more thinking, which is potentially problematic, unless you can learn to be mindful of it. 
There's no reason to do intense scriptural study, I don't think. Not unless you're, say, a teacher or a monk and you've got the time. If you've got the time to study as a monk, for, for example, then, then it can be good because it gives you more ammunition to teach with. But um, I think there's limited benefit to scriptural study. It's not to say there's no benefit, and certainly there is benefit. It's a good thing to do. But anyone who thinks there's great benefit, I think is, I mean, it's easy to overestimate the benefit. There's not a huge benefit from studying scripture. It's much more important to understand them and then to put them into proper practice and concern yourself more with proper, proper practice because that's the most difficult thing to be able to practice correctly. Is there going to be a feature where you can see everything on one page instead of the tabs? Yeah, I was trying to. Uh, I think I think so. I was hoping for that as well. I'm still hoping one day we'll have the circle. Unless I've slept yet. But whatever, this works. I mean, the most important is. You know, we're not we're not supposed to anyone be meditating during the broadcast, so that's the meditation section, right? Uh, and then you click on this one, and this is for when we're doing the broadcast. So, uh, so now we're here, and the commit tab is just wow, there's lots of people committed, which is great, but uh, that's completely personal. So I don't think it's necessary to have everything on one page. To the point. Does playing video games that are violent leave karmic traces in the mind? These are questions from the other side? Yes. Yes. I mean, not, not violent. We've talked, I had to answer this question a few times already on this in the recent, recent times. It's not like it's the same as killing or even violence necessarily. But um, th there's much more the the excitement. It's I mean, violent video games are still just puzzle games. I would say. I, mean, I used to play. I used to play Doom and uh, Quake. Quake was awful. Quake was like. Uh, was was it was evil, right? So was Doom. I mean, they were pretty awful games. But it's more like, um, I mean, you could, but I don't know that anyone actually, unless you're already quite perverse, I don't think anyone actually plays these games happy about the idea of torturing and killing other living beings. It's not really the case. It's more of a, like a sport right i mean sports are like battle but you're not hurting anyone you're just trying to win and in with these video games well it's just a sport no one's actually getting hurt your intention is not that anyone is getting hurt and if you know imagine if ask yourself if you knew that every t that this was actually a representation of, of something you were really doing um, you know, ask yourself if you'd still do it. 
That being said, I mean, I'm, it's not clear-cut. It depends on your state of mind, right? Could there be some cruelty involved or cultivation of cruelty? I suppose. I don't think it's it's as pronounced as people think. I don't. I don't. I can't imagine someone becoming more cruel because they play these games, desensitized to violence. But that's much more about the seeing it than the doing it. I would think. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, the only thing that's clear about it is is the the attachment to it, and the way the incredible waste of time is to spend hours on these these games. I always have to chime in my two cents and say with the multiplayer games, incredible amounts of greed and anger can uh, can come up playing yeah. these games. I have heard uh, the, the horrible, these horrible uh, culture. I've, I've seen examples, not exa you know, I've seen transcripts of some of the horrible culture that is involved in these online games, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's good culture too. It's you know, it's yeah. just like society. It's the it's a microcosm of society, yeah. but because people are anonymous, anonymous, it's an, it, it can be, you know, can be very cruel. Usually, get that bad, right? Yeah, it can be very cruel. Worse than YouTube comment. Yeah, and and the greed, you know, for the yeah. the loot and everything is right. intense. Mm. Bhante, do you recall which book from the Mahasi Sayada talks? Um, re was regarding the Rupa stands. It's a follow-up question on behalf of a member of our meditation community. The Rupa what? Rupa stands. Oh, mm, right. Um, no, one of the one of the basics. I mean, I can. Uh, let me see. I see if I can find it for you right now. Yeah, I don't know. I can I can look for it for you. See if I can find it. I don't want to waste too much time here. More questions? 
Uh, yes, Bhante, one moment. Um, can we focus Dhamma talks on practical topics that are applicable to our practice and maybe skip things that lean toward the abstract and metaphysics like angels and heavens and hell, for example? No, I get to choose what we teach. What is it that we do? That's a criticism of, of, of the last two Dhamma talks, I guess. Didn't the Buddha spend one third of the, uh, of the nightly watch watches answering the angels' questions? Yeah, what's wrong with angels? I know. Okay, yeah, so well, it was a bit, last night was a bit, uh, but I, I said it was, I said it was light. It's interesting to, it's interesting to think of the angel realms. I guess people are so reactionary, I think. It's, um, people don't want to hear about these things that require faith. They don't really. I don't have to believe in them or not. I mean, it's, um, I mean, it's just part of the universe. Do good deeds, good things happen to you. Mm, I don't know. I don't know what people expect from these broadcasts. There's not, you know, what do I have to tell you? There's not much to tell you. I don't like it, you can go somewhere else. That's fine. Go read the Buddha's, if you're really interested, go and read the suttas for yourself. I was meditating this morning after a very vivid dream, and as the images of the dream appeared to me during meditation, I realized that in the dream there was nothing to claim to, nothing to be attached to. The experience was just happening, and it didn't matter if it was good or bad. I was able to experience alertness if there was danger, but not aversion to it, and pleasure if it was pleasure, but not desire, not any wanting. So my question is, if I experience alertness or pleasure in that sense without any claim to it, any desire or wanting, can you be considered closer to enlightenment when in this case, as it happens in a dream, you are not mindful of it? I doubt it. I don't think a dream is really a good example of, of any any positive or beneficial state. A dream is a sign that the mind is a sign that the mind is not focused, that the mind is has distraction in it. And there is another question along with it. Can a person with Down syndrome become enlightened? Thank you. I don't know. I imagine there would be a um, a strong suspicion that they couldn't, because there are certain beings that don't have the requisites, or certain humans who don't have the requisites to become enlightened, and someone with Down syndrome might fall in that category. I don't know. There's no, you know, there's no direct. Um, labeling or, or, or recognizing a Down syndrome as one of those people, but yeah, it requires a certain clarity of mind. I mean, I don't have Down syndrome, so I don't know what it's like, but it seems to be fairly oppressive, and I don't know. I, I've never really dealt with people with Down syndrome either, so I couldn't say. I, I mean, obviously, it's something to be fairly skeptical about. <laughs>
I have a friend who did something not good and I lost a lot of money because of what she did. I am angry at her and I like being angry at her and I want her to suffer because of what she did to me. When it arises in meditation, I note the anger, then the liking of the anger, then it all fades away and I'm back to rising and falling. Yeah. But I know the anger is still there simmering. Should I purposely bring it to mind so that I can keep practicing my noting? The anger is not there. The anger is, I mean, nothing is is always there. This is what you're trying to see. You're trying to see that things come and go. That person who you're angry at isn't always there, doesn't exist. You know, this is all, it's all part of the same realization that we're striving for. Once you start to see that your anger arises and ceases, the thoughts that you're angry about arise and cease, then you'll see that the person also arises and ceases. It's a concept in your mind. And you'll stop obsessing over these things. You'll start to see that they're meaningless, pointless, that everything arises and ceases. So try and see what is there. When you say it's simmering, well, what does that mean? Is there a feeling that's there? If there's a feeling, then note the feeling. If there's not anger, don't note anger. And don't go looking, absolutely. Because that creates bad habits. That creates the habit of looking, the habit of instigating. It's a bad habit. Try to see what is there. Don't try to create something. Don't try to find something. If it's not present, don't go looking for it. Are we ever going to be able to add commitments to the new site? Maybe. If you're really nice. It seems the three marks of existence are all pointing to accepting things that you cannot control. Is there an explanation for the calm, silent state that arises from acceptance? Well, again, it's not quite, well, it's not quite acceptance. Although I suppose from, yeah, insofar as you accept that you can't change things, that you're not in control. Um, I mean, yes, absolutely, because you're not, you're not, you're no longer getting upset about things. You know, it's because we try to control things, it's because we try to cling to things, it's because we try to achieve things, obtain things that we suffer, that we stress, that we're anxious, worried. I mean, isn't it obvious if you if you stop stressing, you, you're calm. You stop judging and, and reacting. And of course, you're going to become more calm and more peaceful. But it, ultimately, we're not looking to accept things. We're looking to reject and let go. Not reject in terms of dislike, but reject in terms of dismiss, become disinterested in. So don't focus too much on acceptance. It becomes problematic because it just makes you calm and peaceful. It doesn't free you from suffering. I'm trying to see things to the point where the mind lets go of them, says enough. I have no use for this, and it lets go. So the three marks of existence, the three characteristics of 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 sankharas are for the purpose of of letting of cultivating a dispassion and renunciation and the giving up and letting go.
What are the requisites for a human to be eligible to become enlightened? You have to have, there's there's something called the Tihetuka and the Dvihetuka, something like that. Asanka probably knows a little more about this than I do. I, I did look it up. But I think you need the Amoha Chetasika. You have to be born with a good mind. You have to die with a good mind. If you're born as a human with moha, right? I think that's what it is. If the rebirth linking consciousness is is with moha, then I think it sets you up for a bad rebirth, something like that. I don't know. I mean, it's all technical and I, I, I can't verify any of it, but just, I think it's better to just in general know that certain people are, are clouded by delusion and are in the category that they're not able to realize the truth. I would say it's fairly rare. Well, maybe not. I would say it's it, it's those sorts of people would never even think of meditating, most likely. If anyone thinks to meditate, and I mean, that's, that's the other thing, is who, it's not the most important, well, it's not, it's not something to obsess over whether you can become enlightened or not. And I think a lot of people worry too much about this, worry whether they'll actually be able to become enlightened, and they waste time worrying when, in fact, we're just trying to make our, our minds better. We're trying to become better in the mind, heal the mind, cure the mind, purify the mind. And that's gradual. That's something you do every moment. Anyone can do that. Even animals can do that. They can't become enlightened, but they can better themselves. So that's what we're aiming for. That's where we should put our focus. Put one foot in front of the other. Whether you get to the end or not, it's going to depend on how how much you put one foot in front of the other. It's not going to depend on how worried you are about whether you can get whether you're going to get there, whether you're going to make it. Right? That just cripples you actually gets in your way, sets up a, an impediment. You're all caught up on questions, Bhante. Mm -hmm. So when I click on the questions, there, so they put answered on them. That's great. These guys really went above and beyond for the server. Yeah. One thing we don't have is who's online, right? We don't have a list of who's online at the top. Or something. That was nice. It was nice to know how many people were actually tuned in. Well, at the moment, since um, you can only hear it on YouTube, you could also see on YouTube how many people are listening. That's true. Let's see. 40 viewers. Nice. And this certainly seems like it was a very smooth transition too. What a what a super team! Mm -hmm. You should mention how far away you know everyone is from from each other that worked on this as well. Right, we've got uh, well, two of them are in Germany, aren't they? Isn't Sebastian also in Germany? I'm not sure. But Doug is in Australia. Yeah. And basically the three of them i mean i did the original site yeah. here in canada but, and this the app that this is based on the android app which will no longer work 
I was supposed to redo the app to, to turn it into just a notification. Hey, don't use this anymore. I didn't do that yet. Maybe I'll do that tonight. And there's a testimonials page uh, on this. So if you've been practicing the meditation that we teach and would like to say some words about it, find the meditations and med uh, testimonials page in the menu and submit some words so we can all uh, get so people newcomers can see that see the benefits can hear about the benefits of the practice we're all caught up huh? i thought we were but it actually looks like we missed one do you yeah. ever do teachings in toronto um rarely i'll do them in mississauga but uh, nobody's invited me to toronto yet Who's clicking? Someone else is able to click on the questions. Is that what that means? Because I didn't click on those questions. Yeah, I was wondering about that. They're, they show as, as answered as well. Yeah, there's a bug or something, or else, or else other people are clicking on it. Shouldn't be wrong. Yeah. And when I go to, when we go to question only mode, there's nothing there now. So every, mm. that, that's kind of a cool feature that everything gets cleared away as you do click answered on it. Yeah, and it looks like they're being cleared away without us clicking them. All right. Okay, well, we'll work on it. Um, if you do have issues for the page with the page, please um, I'm here on the I think this is the issues page. If you go to that page, you can you have to sign in, sign up. Okay, who else can can anyone else click on that question and make an answer? Robin, are you able to click on that question and make it answered? No, but it disappeared. So it seems like maybe someone someone else does have some admin rights, possibly. Yeah, it did disappear. Yeah. I didn't click on it. Yeah, I don't. I don't have admin rights. Did you try clicking on that question? I did, but it didn't go away. Did you? Did it? Was it clickable? It didn't seem to be. Yeah. No, I don't think I don't think it was me that was um, able to transfer it over to answered mode. Oh, Drew did it. Ah, okay. No, well, that's not allowed. Shouldn't be allowed. Yeah. Well, if. You can tell because for me they're they're highlighting when I have hover over them they're highlighted in green. Oh, Bond thinks it might have been him. 
and that makes sense because he was working uh, with the IT team. Is he an admin? Um, maybe. Okay, so this new question, this testing thing, does everyone, when you hover over it, does it turn blue and give you a pointer? Not for me. Because mm. for me it's blue, green, and if I hover over it, it's blue. Bond has admin. Yeah, I used to have admin rights on a, a while back on the old site. And it was actually awful because I always used my phone. And if I would accidentally press on on uh, somebody's comment, like if there was a link on it or something, it would cause it to disappear on the phone. Right. <laughs> so that wasn't too advantageous to me. Hmm. Ah, so Bond has admin rights. So I can click on them. If I click on them here, they're both answered. What do you recommend for meditating on not-self? Have you read my booklet on how to meditate? That's the meditation I recommend. I don't meditate on non-self. I meditate on the four satipatthana. Non-self is what you see. You see that the, everything that you experience is non-self. During walking meditation, I had back pain. My timer went off. I felt that I could have stood there till I dropped. Not the disliking. Can I reach giving up the wanting the pain to go away incrementally, or do I stay with it until I learn that it's not worth it and give it up? Well, disliking can't stay for 15 minutes. I mean, it'd be impressive if it did. But I would try to, I mean, it would take some time, but over time you should be able to see that the disliking is one thing. The disliking arises and ceases, and it, it, there's a lot of pain as well, and there's feelings and thoughts and so on. But you won't give it up. It'll keep coming back. 
because we're not trying to force it away or turn it off. We're trying to see, and that's what you're doing. You know, it's actually pretty good. For 15 minutes, you were able to see and learn a lot and get a real taste of what disliking is all about. And the fact that you can see that disliking is causing you to suffering is, is really going to impact your 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 future. I mean, it changes the way you look at, at anger, at disliking. You're going to be less inclined to dislike in the future. So incremental, yeah, in general it's incremental. You start to ease up, ease your, ease up your hold on things, you know, the intensity with which you cling. And if you do it again and again, eventually you let up, you let up, and you become more objective and more clear until you're able to really see the experiences just as they are. And that's when the mind lets go. That's when you no longer see any reason to react any reason to fuss or fret or worry about the pain or, or, or anything it takes time and, and certainly in, in in cases where the pain is intense it's not going to be easy there's nothing easy about this practice it's simple but not easy but just don't expect it to go away or things to get better the only thing that's going to get better is your reactions your 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 approach yeah. your your point of view of these things and we're no longer inclined to get angry no longer concerned about things like pain and become much more patient with it that's the idea actually are a couple of other questions Bhante I think they just hadn't gotten um they didn't have the question marks near them, so they didn't go into question mode. Hmm. Um, do you have a couple of minutes? Yeah. A few minutes ago, I took a living rabbit from my cat. It's probably going to die. Is it right to just put it somewhere outside away from my cat so it can die? Yeah, that's reasonable. Someone brought a wounded bird to Ajahn Tong once, and this kind of drove it home for me. He he was he didn't want to have anything to do with it. He said, "Go put it away." It was almost go or go put it somewhere in the in the uh, in nature. And to me, it 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 was it was interesting. It was really interesting to see his reaction because you know there's it's a dealing with wild animals is compl is a very complicated affair, right? Dealing with other beings in general and, and their suffering is a complicated affair. You certainly don't want to get involved with it. You, you only cause more stress and, and trouble. Better leave the, the natural world on its own. Because otherwise you get caught up in it and you try to save all beings and then it's down the rabbit hole. No pun intended. Is there anything about the causes of schizophrenia or mental illness in Buddhism? I mean, they don't mention schizophrenia, but there's certainly some implication that one state of mind when one's, one passes away is going to affect the base mind that one is reborn with in the brain and so on. But I guess schizophrenia has a lot more to do with the brain than the mind. And the nature of the brain is 
potentially corrupt, you know, not, not corrupt, but it's not even corrupt, you see, and that's the, really the point of these things, is to be able to see the difference between the brain and the mind. Because if you're hallucinating, well, that's, you know, it's still just experiences. But uh, the paranoia is, is, is something different. It's not the hallucinations. And being able to separate those two is crucial, to be able to experience hallucinations without, without uh, becoming paranoid. But, um, yeah, so I think that makes it easier to see how it happens because we don't affect, we don't, we aren't reborn with a messed up mind, we're reborn with a messed up brain based on our, our moment of death. So, and, and also you could argue based on the nine months in the womb that we're mucking around with this new fetus. So the mind is there getting caught, caught up and excited and, and you know, Point giving its whole to this to this new state. So if the mind is all messed up at that time, I wonder if you could argue that that's why alcohol mothers who drink alcohol have children get children with potential problems, right? Could it be that the, you mess up the mind, or you you disturb the the being, and so the mind gets upset and. That's just conjecture, but yeah, I mean, I, I would say the brain is much more likely the culprit there, and that's what's being affected by things like schizophrenia, and that's that comes from past lives. You would you would you would think it comes from the state of mind when one is, when one dies. When I click on question, it only shows me one question. Is there a way to show all the questions? I think that question was from a while ago, so maybe there was only one question submitted at that time. And then a question about something we talked about within the last couple of days. What does Buddhism think about transgender people? Can, can transgender people reach enlightenment and nirvana? Are there any texts that talk about transgender people? There are, yeah, there is some discussion. They, they're not allowed to become monks and simply because they, wait a second, transgendered is someone who changes their gender, right? I probably wouldn't be allowed to become a monk, but in you know, becoming a monk, is there's lots of restrictions and it's a fairly conventional state. You know, becoming a monk is not reality. It's just an artifice that the Buddha created. So he had some some fairly stringent uh, artificial requirements that have nothing really to do or don't necessarily have anything to do with reality. But um, in terms of reality, as someone who's transgendered, there may be something in the commentaries about it not being possible for them to become enlightened. But I would say, as I, as I mentioned before, it's probably more difficult. It's most definitely more difficult because they're going to be much more, uh, you know, all other things, all other things being equal, it's going to keep them obsessed with their sexuality, with their gender, with their body. You know, there's more of an obsession there uh, in general. There's the generalization, but. You know, someone is transgendered and then just gives it all up and realizes how futile it all is, then certainly they could become enlightened, I would argue. 
How should you treat your relationships with non-meditators? That's a good question. Yeah, I mean, you, you should treat your relationships with everyone uh, mindfully. You know? Obviously, if someone's not meditating, it's going to be clear that, and 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 maybe even before it's clear, you can remind yourself that most likely they're not going to have the most wholesome mind state or the best of intentions. So there's going to be uh, increased problem and difficulty dealing with these people. And so you, you want to spend less time with people who are not meditating, if possible. But um, you, know, you treat people mindfully and don't think of people as people. Deal with people in the present. What's happening now? What is it? What is the situation? Deal with things as they arise. Deal with the present, the present moment. If someone's yelling at you, it's not the person, it's the yelling, it's the experience. Try and stay in the present moment. As with everything, it solves a lot of your problems. Don't hold grudges, don't have expectations. Try and let go of the past, not worry about the future. Those are words to live by. And then Bando's asking about posting the live stream link. Are, are you still recording the audio only portion, Bante? No, I tried. It's not working right now. Oh, okay. All right, so that's all for tonight. Thank you all for tuning in. And thanks for bearing with us as we transition to this new site. And thanks to all the people who worked on it. Yes. Thank you, Bante. Okay, good night, everyone. Good night.